Hello and welcome to episode 212 of the Enough Podcast. I am one of your hosts, I am Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as I always have been and always shall be, forever and ever, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Patrick Roan. <laughs> I feel Does like it I started. Really feel that way? I feel. I feel like I was going into some sort of prayer. Then I felt like I was sort of drifting into the Lord's prayer inadvertently. Forever and ever, our uh, Pat. As we shall give unto you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, two hundred and twelve. It does seem sort of ridiculous at this point. Like I almost want to completely just reboot the show, just for no other reason. Yeah, a three-digit number, and it'd be like an accurate one, like a jokey number. That's a lot. Like it's it's hard. It's a big it's a big weight. Like you just look at that and it's like. Oh. So thinking yeah. thinking about this, so okay. Obviously, with this is totally different. It's a totally random topic. I was thinking about this the other day. So, uh, when I moved Command Space over to Five by Five, there were 117 episodes of the Bro Show that stayed in the feed yeah. um, previously. So if you if you subscribed to Command Space when it was on 70 decibels, you would have seen 117 extra episodes in the feed. You may still see them, but you can't do anything with them. And let me explain. So like for the people that are previously subscribed, they may still see them if their if their podcatcher of choice goes back that far. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I deleted the hosting account um, that that I was hosting Command Space on um, prior to the move because okay. I don't need to it's pay on for it. Five by five now. Yeah, I don't need to pay for it anymore. Um, yeah. And nobody, you know, I was watching it and just checking, and basically everybody had stopped downloading. You know, it had okay. like one month was like a hundred download, then it was like twenty five. Then it was like four, so I was like, right, it's time to go. <laughs> um, but now, every single episode of the Bro Show, I think ever, I don't have a copy of. It's gone. Oh, wow. Yeah, every single um, episode like, of the Bro Show is gone. Like, you have no copies? No. Like, you don't have any backups? Nope. We've been through this. Well, we skirted around this. One day I'm actually going to talk about this. That I don't have backups. I have I have now. I don't have them backed up as such. But I have the original files of every show that I've recorded of that episode. And sort of, I think, every episode of any show since about um, August of last year. So, over the last year, I have every single... Garage Band file created okay. on this hard drive here. Um, yeah, because I have every episode of Command Space, for example. They're all they're all right here. Um, when did this When did this system start? He asks. June. Hmm. So since June, I have everything. I have, okay. So I have, for example, from episode one hundred and forty-five. But prior to that, I don't keep a local copy of them. Never have, and that's. I think that there's something in my brain which which likes to let go of those things, and mm. that it doesn't bother me that they're gone. But I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, nobody can listen to them now. They are. They have disappeared. They are. So I mean, that means my original first. I think it might have been one of my first podcasts. Episode sixteen, if memory serves. 
unless they unless somebody are. unless somebody has a copy, it is gone. Wow. Oh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's crazy, right? People are like screaming right now. <laughs> but I hold no emotional attachment to them. I, you know, the, so I should say that I am conflicted about this. I'm, conf- you know, one side of me, the you know, the the archivist side of me, says, you know, wow, what a loss, you know, and you, you know, kind of what great archival uh, material that would have been. I mean, what happens when you know five by five becomes the next? When all of our shows get in, like put into the Library of Congress, right? And it's like, okay, where did this begin? How did it start? Where did this come from? You want that complete archival history, right? You, yeah, you that want was the evolution. That was the only thing that I was thinking of because basically, next week, the reason I was think I actually started thinking about this is next week um, marks one year of Command Space, um, mm. August first. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know, that's kind of cool. One year of the show. And then I was thinking to myself, I wonder how I sounded on the first sort of episodes of my first show. But I was like, well, I can't, I can't listen to those. So, whoop. wow, wow, yeah. So then there's the Buddhist side of me, you know, who firmly believes in the impermanence of all things, and it comes up regularly in conversation. I was just having a conversation with my wife a warning here I'm about to make a generalization but um, and that generalization being that you know so many of the people that I that I know who are religious uh, they believe in an afterlife that is better than this one that rewards wait for them in assuming that they have led a good life in this one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm making some broad strokes here. Why many of those people, when I have had s- such conversations around the topic of death, are actually afraid of dying? And, you know, and, and that, you know, in general, people are afraid of dying, right? And I've, I've actually talked about this before. It, really, it's not about the fear of, de- fear of death. It's about the fear of missing out on more life, right? Um, <laughs> that's really what they're worried about. They would like to have as much life as possible. They don't want to feel like they've missed anything, and you know, and and that that fear of that fear of missing out permeates us at a very base level, um, and is one of the things that makes things like Twitter and the internet and social media and the telephone and TV, for that matter news, you name it, is one of the things that drives us as human beings is this idea that we're not missing out on things. Um, Because to feel like we're not missing out on things makes us, we equate that with being alive. Ah, But I digress. I was talking with my wife about, about this very idea and how different it is for me because, and, and how difficult a time I have understanding it because I really, honestly, have worked very, very hard to eradicate myself of the fear of death. I just have no fear about dying. It's just not something that, 
you know. Uh, and, and it blows our minds so because we'll be having, you know, conversations. We were watching this movie. And in this movie, I'm like, you know, this guy, you know, has a choice. He can either do this thing he, this thing he knows he shouldn't do or he should shoot himself in the head. And, you know, try to take as many of these bad guys out as possible before he does so. That's what I would do. Because <laughs> dying, just not even, because it's part of life. Yeah, it's coming. I don't even know when it's coming, but it's coming. And when it comes, it comes. As crazy as that sounds. Now, where was I going with this? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, where I think I was going with this was that I have a really deep respect for the idea of impermanence and that everything that we hold dear in this life, in this world, in this universe is all temporary. It will all be gone one day. And this is the one thing that is true of every living thing in the universe. Is that it will die. <laughs> Especially and it will be gone. my I'm, old podcasts. Yeah. They will die because I will make it happen. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, and I think that there's another part of me that admires that and respects that ability of yours to let go of of things that are inherently impermanent, especially those things in the past of a digital nature. So there are other, like, you know, Stephen Hackett, me and him had, we've had two shows that we have uh, cancelled in the past. So we had Ungeniest, and then we had the 512 podcast, which became The Prompt. Mm -hmm. Um, And on Stephen's website, he hosts the archives of both of those shows. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're still there. Like he still hosts. Like he 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 will not let them go. Um, so it's just interesting. So he he yeah. hosts them. So you know, if you ever want to hear those, feel free. Interesting. I think he has them somewhere. I'm now looking on his website, but I know <laughs> I know he's hosting them somewhere. But maybe he just doesn't have links to them. But wow, I know even he, more reason why we probably because I don't know if I can host or you know, have the ability to go back and back up all 212 episodes of this, knowing how you feel about such things. <laughs> I mean, but uh, it's a conversation for another time, but I've, I've got more to talk with you about this. But let's move on for now, because that's kind of a inside baseball, back of the back of the page, back of the stage sort of talk. Um, so, quite a few things I, I wanted to just run through and mention today for no particular reason other than I think they're worth uh, people's uh, time and attention and discussion, um, maybe even discussing with you. Um, so, the first is uh, I just started reading this book. Uh, it was uh, loaned to me by uh, my, my good friend, Garrick, who's way smarter than me, um, called Autopilot. Published by uh, OR Books, um, which uh, also published uh, another great book called Program or Be Programmed, uh, highly recommended um, by uh, Douglas Rushkoff. But uh, this is Autopilot by Andrew Smart. And 
it makes a very interesting scientific case for doing nothing. Like doing nothing as a strategy. Like being idle as something that is inherently healthy and good for you. <laughs> and I think it's a very interesting um, counter proposal to the many, you know, getting things done and, you know, how to, you know, cram as much in your day as possible and our own Western work ideals of, well, especially American Western work ideals of, you know, the harder you work, the more rewarded you'll be um, sort of thing, whereas this is basically, no, in fact, you're probably best if you just let, if you if you just stay as idle as possible for as long as Who possible. Who writes this book? Who, I'm the, sorry? Who's the author of this book? Uh, Andrew Smart is his name. And uh, I'm just going to read the back. At every turn, we're pushed to do more faster, more efficiently. That drumbeat resounds throughout our wage-slave society. Multitasking is not only a virtue, it is a necessity. But Autopilot argues that slackers may have the last laugh. It makes a compelling case, backed by science, that filling life with activity at work and at home actually hurts your brain. Autopilot is a witty, informative, and wide-ranging book that draws on the most recent research into brain power. Use it to explain to bosses, family, and friends why you need to relax right now. <laughs> and so far, it's really, really interesting. Um, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, and uh, actually recommend it uh, even in contrast to the next uh, book I'm going to talk about that I that I actually have read all of Where did of you find recently. this autopilot book? I can't find it on Amazon. Uh, here, hold on. I'll just Google it. But no, uh, I think you have to get it directly from Or Books. So if you go to orbooks.com. Got it. Yep, got it, got it. Boom, there you go. Um, and Or Books is actually a great publishing, uh, small publishing uh, company that uh, publishes a lot of really kind of interesting stuff. Um, like I already mentioned, um, the... Uh, Program or be programmed, which I think is, oh gosh, so, so important. Such an important read. Um, but, uh, you know, really other, you know, all sorts of kind of interesting stuff. Really worth looking into. Um, uh, speaking of which, there's another book uh, recently out that's uh, been getting a lot of uh, mention here and there amongst the creative types uh, on the internet. Uh, called Manage Your Day-to-Day. Um, uh, it's published by 99U. That one should be able to be found on Amazon, by the way, uh, very easily. And it's a, a cheap $3.99 for the Kindle edition and only $8.97 for the paperback. But uh, it's uh, also equally good uh, for very different reasons. Um, it 
proposes a lot of really good common sense advice uh, from a variety of of, uh, of people and contribu- contributors, including Scott Belsky and Leo Balbata, Aaron Rooney Dolan of Unclutterer, Seth Godin. I mean, the list goes on and on. Stephen Pressfield, Gretchen Rubin. I mean, you know, basically all of my heroes. Um, and uh, it's <clears throat> really good, practical, actionable advice on how to manage your day, especially as a creative. Highly recommended. Um, and actually, uh, so um, uh, at the same time that, that my friend Garrick started reading Autopilot, I started reading this. We both finished reading our books kind of around the same time, and then we traded them. And so uh, when I when I read nonfiction books, I go through and I highlight things that you know stand out to me and that I want to be able to if I pick up the book later skim back through and you know it, it, it helps um, and sometimes make notes in the margins and things like that. Um, Garrick uh, has this tendency to dog ear things um, that stand out uh, pages that stand out to him. Um, but that only works for him because he knows what exactly on the page he's dog-earing that page for. Um, but it doesn't really translate well to others. So the thing that uh, we're doing with Manager Day-to-Day is he's he has gone through and read it, and he's highlighted in a different color all of the things that stood out to him that weren't already highlighted by me. And now I've loaned it to a third friend of mine and requested he use yet a different color than those two. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of the things that stood out to, to each of us, um, uh, in the book, just, uh, an aside there for anyone who, uh, who loves to trade and share books with friends. Um, so, uh, so that kind of covers it for like books I wanted to recommend. The next few things I wanted to talk about are technology related. So I'm thinking this might be a good place to maybe take a sponsor break. That would be a perfect place, Patrick Brown. See, see, I, I mean, I could be a. Is Dan looking for anyone? Because like I could. I could like be a producer sort of guy and help to manage this stuff. I'm I'm pretty good at it by now. Because you know when to take a sponsor break. <laughs> that really is all you need to know, right? I th- I think so. Yes. Because everything else is automated, right? Yeah. So what I'm doing right now, this is automation. Ah. Oh, 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 basically. So when we get to the other side of the sponsor break, we do start talking about technology stuff. Don't let me forget to ask you about uh, how, you, how you're liking the logic since you went through so much trouble last week. I'm not using it yet. I'm still learning. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning it a little bit. That's okay. That's all right. So our good friends at? Squarespace.com. Of course. So let's thank Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it easy to create your own website. They have brought this episode to you for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com and use the code TALLYHO, T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. Squarespace is a constantly updating 
platform with fantastic new features, the things that they keep adding. They have beautiful new designs and they continue to enhance their fantastic support that they give you. They have beautiful designs that you can start out with and tons of style options that allow you to adjust and craft and really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of all of the hosting, the SEO that you might need or require to make sure that your site looks fantastic and shows up in search engines. These are the things that they take care of for you. They even have responsive web designs. It's going to look amazing on any device. Squarespace is really easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has amazing support. They have a great team who work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. While you're over at squarespace.com, while you're signing up for your free trial there, check out their new homepage. They have some beautiful videos, so you can really see how Squarespace will fit everyone differently and show you how you can create your own space, no matter what type of site you want to make or whatever business you are or if you just want to start a blog portfolio they've got it all you can try out squarespace for free no credit card required to do so and if you decide to purchase squarespace plans start at eight dollars a month and they even include a domain name if you sign up front for a year don't forget you'll get 10 percent off and support the show by using the offer code tallyho so go check out squarespace everything you need to create an exceptional website thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and the Enough Podcast. I love that. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. <laughs> Tally-ho. Uh, so I got this iPhone 5. I, we talked about this, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we talked about it. And uh, I've been using Siri a lot. Like a lot more than I ever expected that I would. But like since well, since I've got it in my phone now, I'm I find myself using it. I don't know. I would say probably good thirty to forty percent of the time I interact with my phone now. I'm interacting with it through Siri, which I don't know. I'm finding it working amazingly well, and I know that people have had complaints about it and such. Oh my God, my wife, my wife, uh, she, she, she hates the fact that she says Siri likes you more than she likes me. <laughs> like sometimes she screams in her phone. She's like, I've got a different Siri. Give me the, give me Patrick Siri. Because <laughs> her Siri can't even pronounce her name right. Calls her Beth Annie. Hmm. <laughs> Patrick, I don't understand what you're saying, Beth Annie. No. <laughs> Could you please rephrase your question, Beth Annie? <laughs> hey, at least she tries. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't get those same sorts of. Results, and I find that on the on the on the rare occasions that I have where it's been like uh, that's not what I'm asking, it's just simply a matter of asking the question in a different way. And of course, the way that I probably should have asked it in the first place because it's the way that made more sense, or was grammatically correct, or was you know what I mean? Like it was a problem with the input and not necessarily out the output. And I wonder how much of of that, you know, I'm sure that, that there's, 
a few fold things here. You know, number one, serious sort of thing that Apple can continue to improve on the back end without any, you know, upgrade to your phone needed, right? And so it um, and it gets it improves itself with use. It's you know it, it's intelligent that way on the back end. And so I imagine when it first came out, it got a lot of complaints, you know, and people were like, well, you know, wait, it'll probably get better and da da da. Well, guess what? You know, I got my iPhone 5 almost a year after Siri came out, and yep, it's pretty good for me. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering, I would like to see people do like follow-up reviews on this stuff. And I've talked about it before. Like, you know, I want to see reviews of technologies and devices that people have used for a year or two years, right? And, you know, so that we get the first impressions, you know, sort of reviews. But then we get the, how is it working for me today? After a year, am I still using this thing? Is it still, am I still using it in the same way? You know, what's different from what I thought I was going to use it for than what I really use it for, right? And I don't think that there's, A, enough of those reviews, and B, I think that there's a huge opportunity there, right? Because I think that there's a ton of people that would love to know this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, I would, I would visit a website that was nothing but you know, year down the road, two year down the road reviews of tech products. Because ultimately, and in a lot of cases, those are the things that matter, right? Those are the things that, you know, it's the things that last. And it's like, is this still serving the purpose? Yeah, I know, I know like a few people do those sorts of things. Like I know that Tichi, he uh, reviews stuff, you know, on his own terms sometimes. And he, picked up like a, his iPhone a lot later than everyone else mm-hmm. because it was available in Italy later and, and stuff like that. Um, and I, you know, like his his review is really cool and I, and I agree with it to a point, but I feel like if you're going to do it, you've got to have something unique to say. Like there's no point reviewing something 18 months later and it being the same sort of thoughts that people had a month later after the phone yeah. was released. You know, you've, you've got to have something that is compelling i think to say about it well not that i'm saying yeah, you obviously. wouldn't but. But, I, but i think that the compellingness comes from uh you have to you have to review it from a personal use perspective and from you know don't just give me the you know the features and what you don't give me what you would give me in a first impressions of review you know give me this is, you know, this is how I'm using it, and this is why, you know, it still matters to me, and this is why I still think it's great, you know, even a year on, and you know, especially if it's something that you're really happy with and you have no plans on replacing it. You know, uh, of course, you know, I I did a review of the of my first generation iPad on minimal Mac, you know, kind of in that sort of idea and style and then just a few months later my wife gets me an iPad mini for my birthday. You know, so I, I've stopped, you know, I, I can't really do those anymore. Every time I write about I'm enjoying this, it's serving its purpose, I'm not going to replace it anytime soon, boom, a few months later I replace it. Like I, I think as soon as I write that now, 
that's that's the, the that starts the clock ticking, and not by any plan on my part. This is not like you know. Usually, it has more to do with you know my wife wanting to do something nice for me, or to take advantage of a really good deal, as with the case of the iPhone five. Um, <clears throat> the the uh, and so yeah, just an idea. The other thing I want to talk about. I I've kind of gone on small record, but not huge record. Not being a real big fan of of kind of the Kickstarter Indiegogo sort of thing, right? I feel like too many people have gotten burned by products that were not yet made that were oversold in their capability or in the um, proposer's ability to deliver on said promise in a reasonable time. And while that isn't universally the case, there have been enough of them, enough of the high-profile ones that, like, you know, I, I get people sending me, you know, hey, we just kickstarted a new product that I think is perfect for minimal Mac. And, da, da, da. and I look at it, I'm like, yes, this is perfect for minimal Mac, but you let me know when it's released and I will gladly, you know, I will gladly take a look at it again. Because unless it's released, I'm not going to, because I've, I've, there have been too many bad experiences out there. And some of them I featured on Middle Mac, and I felt bad about it afterwards. But Ubuntu, the Linux company, the Linux Corporation. Yeah, that's not. Uh... This is ridiculous. I think this is so stupid. Like, I can't even. Like, so I have a script for the news, right? That I oh, do every day. Great. You you know what's coming, right? Yeah. You know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, and I went well off the script and was just like riffing for like 30 seconds about how stupid an idea I think this is. Really? Oh, and oh, let me tell I would you love why. To hear your riff. Let's, let's, let's go for it. So basically what it is, is Ubuntu, um, Ubuntu Edge, is that the name of the yep. company? That's the name of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, this, the part is Canonical is the name of the whole company, right? That is correct. Yep. who own Ubuntu, um, and yep. they are... And CEO is Mark Shuttlesworth, who does his very best Johnny Ives impersonation in the uh, video. I yeah, that, that really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> basically, they have launched an Indiegogo page, which is... Uh, it's a crowdfunding site, Indiegogo, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, yeah. And it, it allows people from all over the world to contribute, because Kickstarter has some regional... Stuff. Yes. Also, yeah. Kickstarter can be a bit funny these days about funding something that isn't made yet. Yep. So basically, um, Ubuntu have launched a crowdfunded Indiegogo page to fund the development of the Ubuntu Edge, with Edge, which is a 4.5 inch 720p smartphone, a multi-core processor, four gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes of storage, and LTE ready. You can commit now, pay $600, and you will get one of the early birds, but I think they've actually sold out now. 
So originally you could you could pay six hundred dollars and get the early bird, but the early bird pricing's gone. So now if you want one of those these things, it's gonna cost you eight hundred and thirty dollars. You will receive it in May two thousand and fourteen. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to raise thirty-two million dollars. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you my problem with this. One, okay. $32 million is a stupid amount of money. That At $800 a pop, I think it's entirely reachable. But yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, if you do, yes. I mean, that's true. But <laughs> I, mean, I, I just mean for a crowdfunded campaign to want to reach $32 million is insane. They're at $3.6 million at the moment. Fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think that will sustain. Um, but you'll be paying $830 for a phone that you do not receive until May which is many months away, providing that there won't be any delays. So let's say you're going to get it in a year's time. A year's time with these specs. Who knows where we're going to be in a year's time? Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, but here's the thing, right? This is what I got from watching the video, and maybe I missed something, but... Uh, but my, in, in not just the video, I can't remember whether it was a video or reading on the page, but the idea that I got was that those were the minimum specs of what they were aiming for. Yeah, sure. That, yeah, that was kind of what I got. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But regardless, okay, go ahead. I just, I just think it's insane. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't yeah. understand. But you under. But you understand that those specs that you just that you just rattled off, uh, at least as far as storage and RAM is concerned, that's essentially the storage and RAM in the base MacBook Air. I don't. Yeah. No. Fine. In a phone. But this is a phone that you are paying eight hundred and thirty dollars for. That may fail catastrophically because it yeah. doesn't have an app ecosystem. They want people to develop no, it does. native applications with HTML5. That it will not go well. That will end that will end well for nobody. Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. How many people use Ubuntu? Like I know uh, please do not take this disparagingly Ubuntu users. But Ubuntu has been around for a long time. Uh, uh, Ubuntu is actually let me put it this way. Amongst my geek f- friends, it's in fairly wide use, but not on the desktop. I, I, I you know, I mean, I could, I could count. Uh, at the table I was sitting at yesterday with the three people I was sitting with, two of them have a dozen Ubuntu servers between them. Right? That's cool, though, but this isn't a but server they're, they're phone. Virtu- but they're virtual phone servers. But we should point out two important features of this phone that you are neglecting in this rant. Number one, it will boot both Ubuntu and Android so that you can take advantage of Android apps as well. So it does will have a built-in app ecosystem, number one. Number two... Mm. Number two, mm. the difference is this is not just a phone. It is a phone <laughs> that you can plug into a monitor and drive a full monitor, and it becomes basically a full computer. It's like you know carrying around. It's like if you could, 
you know, I don't know, plug in your iPhone into uh, into an Apple Cinema display, and boom, there's your, you know, there's Mac OS ten. You get a full, you know, basically uh, that the edge operating system op- operates in such a way that you, on a mobile screen it displays a mobile environment, and when plugged into a big screen it displays a full desktop environment. And that's the thing that I I think a is you know is pretty bold. It's been talked about before, but no one has actually yet shipped shipped it or even come this close to trying it. Um, I think that that's got some obvious interesting implications of what could be possible. For instance, if that device in your pro, you know, you've you've got your your phone basically becomes your desktop, your laptop and your pocket computer all at once, right? You, you take this out, and when you want a larger screen in tr- transit, you pop it into the, you know, the side of some, you know, top or whatever. You pop it into some portable screen, and boom, there you go. Um, or maybe even slide into some tablet-like device, and boom, there you go. And then you get home, and you plug it into the dock on your desktop, and boom, there you are. And nothing changes, and all your stuff is there. I, I don't know. I think, I think that that's a very ambitious goal, and one thing that really could move the ball forward with mobile computing. How successful will they be at it? I don't know. Would Apple likely beat them to to the punch long before they're able to be successful with it? Maybe so. Maybe it's maybe people don't want that kind of integration, right? I'm kind of happy with my laptop being a laptop, and my desktop being a desktop, and my <laughs> and my mobile com- pocket computer being my mobile pocket computer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't know that I would want, you know, to like have my iPhone become an iPad, become my desktop machine, like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then again, I haven't tried it. I haven't used it. But then again, neither has anyone else, and that's the problem with such campaigns. But I think I have to give them some credit. I think if there's, I think that they make a compelling case. You know that that Sir Mark Shuttlesworth, um, we'll just call him that since that's what he wants to be, makes a compelling case in the video for explaining why something like this could only be funded through crowdfunding. Like there's no other way unless you have the resources that Apple would or that Microsoft would. And the development partners that they have, you know, or that a company like Microsoft has in place or that Apple actually has in-house and owns, um, you know, from the, you know, for building such a thing. I could see how a company like Canonical would, like, this is their best 
way of going about doing this, especially a company that essentially gives away a free product and has no... <laughs> well, you know, the, fair play yeah. to them if that's what they want to do. Like, good luck. I hope that they are successful. Just as a consumer, I find it a strange thing to do, but maybe it isn't consumers buying it. I just find it weird to pay that amount of money for a phone that you don't receive for such a long time. And we don't even, as I say, this is such a fast-moving industry. It, it just seems mm. strange to me to put that money down now for something you'll get in a year. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm Maybe well, I am just, maybe I'm being unfair to Ubuntu and Canonical well, and all those Well, things. no, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you know, is not that, does not that same thing apply to, say, the Pebble smart, smartwatch? Or, yeah, it totally uh, does, that, which is why I didn't back it. I wanted, right. I, want, I really wanted one. But with all Kickstarter projects that are technology-based, mm-hmm. I wait until people receive them and review them before mm-hmm. I buy them because of because of the elevation dock is my reasoning for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think that you stand to get yourself in a situation that you've paid a ridiculous amount of money for something you have to wait for a very long time that will be obsolete by the time you receive it, which was the case for the elevation dock for many people. Um, and for the Pebble, it's not obsolete yet, but it's probably going to be quite soon, which is a shame. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting idea that I, yeah, you know, once again, I, you have to wonder how many how many people say, gee, I really wish I didn't have to reach into my pocket to get to see what this test message is. I wish I could just look at my watch and see what it is. You know what I mean? The the people who might even begin to say such a thing aren't wearing watches anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, or, you know, maybe even haven't ever. Right, <laughs> because they've always had a computer on them in their pocket that was just as easy to retrieve to check the time. Yeah, I don't know. I think, mm, you know, I, I don't. Know. Yeah, there's a lot of room for ideas here, and I think it's great to see people trying lots of different things. I don't just. I don't discourage that either. I, just, I don't. Dis- I don't discourage that. You know. I. I just. I think that. Uh, yeah. One. One has to. When you. General blanket statement for all crowdfunding. Okay. Understanding that you understand that you are funding. A promise. And that sometimes promises are not delivered on, nor are they sometimes delivered in a way that you wish that they were. Right? The only thing that I have funded in my recent memory is a Devo documentary that I would love to see one day. I hope they make it. I hope one day they make it and they send me a link to it online to stream it. I would be fine with that, right? I didn't give the money 
thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to give this money and they're going to send me a free DRM copy, um, you know, on a DVD, you know, DRM free copy on a DVD, blah, 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 you know, or any of this stuff, right? It wasn't about that. I was, I was giving money towards the idea that I, you know, that I was saying, yes, this is great. What you have so far looks fantastic. Please make more of this. I would love to see this one day. I would even pay more money. Like if this, this was just funding the idea to get it made so that I could then pay more money to see it in a theater later, no problem. Here, take $50 now, and I'll pay 8 bucks at the theater gladly. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, because that's what I was funding. I was funding the promise, not the product. And I don't care what it is, unless they can ship it to you tomorrow, you're funding the promise and not the product. So. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. Right, we need to finish because it's really yes. hot here and I'm 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 yes. turning into well, a liquid podcaster right now. Well and and I have now used up all of my energy to do this episode, so uh, yes, uh, finding us. Uh, I am Patrick Roan everywhere, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-R-H-O-N-E. And I am I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. And it's as simple as that. With that, we'll chat later. We will. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>